Russia has invaded Ukraine in the largest European attack since World War II. What Russia is doing today, though, is not a surprise to God. Of course, Russia is mentioned many times in Scripture, which leads to many questions. What are the ribs in the mouth of the bear? Will the current Russia-Ukrainian conflict lead to the prophesied Sixth Trumpet War? Or World War III? Or the Battle of Armageddon? Well, we'll analyze Russia's role in Bible prophecy on today's edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. Well, we all woke to the news. Actually, I heard the news uh, last evening because it happened early in the morning in Ukraine. But Russia has now invaded Ukraine. What does that mean? In light of Bible prophecy and all of the times Russia is mentioned which is many times in the prophecies, the prophecies of the end time, what does that mean for you and me, the church, the world as a whole, in light of Bible prophecy? So the Russian bear's aggression is setting the stage for its role in end time Bible prophecy. Of course, in Daniel 7, 5, Ezekiel 38 and 39, Gog and Magog, Revelation 13, 2, and Revelation chapter 20, verse 8. They all foretell Russia as a leading member of the Antichrist's one world government, the foremost aggressor or the, uh, of the world governing armies coming against Israel at the Battle of Armageddon, And they will lead the nations that are deceived by Satan to come against Jerusalem after the 1,000-year millennial reign. So Russia, it goes from 2,500-year-old prophecies to prophecies that are 1,000 years beyond us now. But I want you to understand what Russia is doing today did not come as a surprise to God. In Matthew 24, verse 6, Jesus said, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And I want, you, I want to make sure that you understand that there have been many conflicts around the world. The Syrian civil war, um, even Israel bombing Iran's uh, nuclear aspirations. Many different conflicts, and yet they did not bring about World War III. Even Russia and Crimea back in 2014. 
And so we're going to talk about these things because we want to understand what's going on right now and what, are, what will be the uh, results of that, the ramifications uh, moving forward of this current conflict. Will it lead to some of these cataclysmic, apocalyptic events in the end time? Now, Fox News reported that Russia has invaded Ukraine in the largest European attack since World War II. Russia invaded Ukraine by land, sea, air, in the largest attack on European soil since the end of the Second World War in 1945. Russian forces invaded Ukraine uh, this morning by land, air, sea, in the largest military attack of one state against another on European continent um, in the last 70-plus years. The wide-ranging attack on Ukraine hit cities and bases with airstrikes or shelling as civilians piled into trains and cars to flee. And one of the things that I will interject here is that I know I have personal uh, friends of mine that have family in Ukraine, in the churches in Ukraine, and they're being affected by this, obviously. They, they have not fleed. And so we want to make sure that they were remembering these people in prayer, uh, the churches, the, the countrymen, everybody in Ukraine that is coming under this Russian attack. Now, Ukraine's government said that Russian tanks and troops rolled across the border in a full-scale war that could rewrite the geopolitical order. And he accused, um, Vladimir Putin has accused the U.S., and its allies of ignoring Russia's demands to prevent Ukraine from joining NATO and for security guarantees. So it's one of the reasons that they think or they believe that Vladimir Putin has finally invaded Ukraine. Of course, there are many more reasons. Uh, Ukraine has vast resources that Putin would love to tap into, right? But the main reason that they say that he's invaded is because of he does not want NATO and their missiles and firepower and their defense forces on the border of Russia. And of course, you know, we probably will never know really what's going on in the mind of Putin. But this is probably one of the main reasons. Among Putin's pledges was to denazify Ukraine. And of course, there's pro- there is propaganda flying around. We know that. But World War II looms large in Russia. You know, after the Soviet Union suffered more deaths than any country while fighting Adolf Hitler's forces, the Kremlin propaganda sometimes paints Ukrainian nationalists as neo-Nazis seeking revenge. And it's a charge that historians have called disinformation. But Ukraine is now led by a Jewish president who lost relatives in the Holocaust. And so you can see there's a, there's a huge dynamic going on here. And the um, Ukrainian president has, sa- has said, no, we're not going to just lay down like what happened in Crimea. We're going to fight to the death over this thing. And so it's a very big situation that's going on. Newsmax has actually reported that the Russia-Ukraine 
what to know as Putin takes military action. So I know I'm coming up to a break here. I don't want to cut all this information uh, in half, but you can see that Russia is trying to exert its um, authority and move back into some of these European nations. And it's really setting the stage for what the Bible prophesies will be Russia's role in the end time. We're going to cover all that on today's program. And we will answer the questions. Will this current conflict lead to the Six Trumpet War or World War III? Will it lead to what some people are considering uh, Ezekiel 38, the Battle of Armageddon? We'll talk about all of that after the break. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills. But God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV. And now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time Message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, You can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Welcome back, everybody. Now, I do have a quick announcement. I will, my wife and I will be in Justin, Texas, this coming Saturday and Sunday, February 26th and 27th. Saturday evening from 6 to 8 p.m., I'll be teaching the Antichrist Socialistic Kingdom. And Sunday morning from 10 to 12 or 12.30, somewhere in there, I'll be teaching uh, the Breaking Prophetic News. We'll probably have a Q&A session. It's a, lot, it's a really good time. So definitely would want to meet us up there. It's at the Rock Church of Justin, Texas, 411 Ludi Avenue. And we, all the information is on endtime.com. Go to the events tab at the top. And then when the drop-down comes, go to conferences and everything's right there. So look forward to seeing you guys up in Justin. Last year we had a great conference. It was packed out. And looking forward to a great conference. All this ice should be pretty much gone by then. We'll have to worry about it. And we'll have a great weekend. Uh, Okay, so 
continue on with Russia, Ukraine. So Vladimir Putin has accused the United States and its allies of ignoring Russia's demand to prevent Ukraine from joining NATO. And they have had aspirations of joining NATO, but at this point, we've said it's not going to happen. But Vladimir Putin needed a reason to invade, and he's saying that this is one of them, and that we would... um, that we've ignored uh, Moscow's security guarantees. He said Russia's goal was not to occupy Ukraine. Now, that's listen at that. Vladimir Putin, his goal is not to occupy Ukraine. Well, then what is he doing? We're not going, we don't, we're, we're not even trying to allow uh, Ukraine into NATO. But yet he's got to go in there and kill people. And he's not wanting to occupy Ukraine? Hmm. Any propaganda going on there, you think? So what action is the United Nations taking? And I, want to, I, I wanted to cover this today because the United Nations really, is in, a, in an instance like this, a conflict, they're supposed to be the peacemaker on the planet, right? The, the seat of world government. But they are a paper tiger in a conflict like this. So what is the United Nations doing? The council diplomats are now finalizing a draft of a resolution that would declare that Russia is violating the UN Charter, this socialistic one-world governing body charter, and international law. And a 2015 council resolution on Ukraine, one diplomat said that was speaking on a condition of anonymity because the discussions were private. The resolution would urge Russia to come back into compliance immediately, the diplomat said. Well, yeah, that's going to work on Vladimir Putin, right? I mean, the UN Security Council is basically, uh, it it has no teeth, it has no enforcement methods, because what are they going to do? Russia is one one of the uh, powers, the the victory uh, nations of the World War II, and they've got veto power over any U.N. Security Council resolution. So what can the United Nations do? They're basically helpless. Now, I want you to understand, as we go through here, I'm going to cover prophecy, and we'll go in and out of this, but Russia actually aided in the creation of the United Nations and the One World Government. Let me go through a little history here, and then I'll bring you back up to speed, and we'll dive back off into this conflict and answer some of the major questions. So, by the end of World War II, 52 million people had died. Remember, I said Russia is setting the stage for their end-time fulfillment of Bible prophecy. This is one of the ways they're doing that. By the end of World War II, 52 million people had died. And prior to that, World War I had the greatest number of fatalities in a war, eight, oh, just over 8 million. At the end of that war, the whole world... The cry for peace was deafening. Never again, they said. But during World War II, the atom bomb and all of its horror was introduced to the world. To visualize another unrestrained war with this new level of deadly weapons was unthinkable. So the political leaders of the world, Stalin, Churchill, and Franklin D. Roosevelt, They met at a place called Yalta, and it was there that Europe was divided up. And it was also there that they made the decision 
to launch the United Nations and choose its first secretary general. And the plan was to create a world government forum, and it was called the United Nations of the World. And rather than go to settle it with a conflict, every nation of the world would send an ambassador to this forum in order to settle these conflicts and avoid future wars. Now, why aren't we doing that? If Russia was in the help, aided in the creation of this, why aren't they just coming before the United Nations, Russia, and Ukraine and saying, hey, we've got a conflict, let's talk it out. Ukraine, do you want to join NATO? Yes, we do. NATO, are you going to allow that to happen? No. Okay, well, then I won't invade. Uh, that didn't happen, right? Vladimir Putin just goes ahead and invades. So the United Nations is not being used for what it was originally sold to the world to be, right? Now, member nations, they would come before the, 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 um, the ruse is that member nations would come before the United Nations and these two conflicting nations and that they would vote on these issues and all would abide by the majority's decisions. Now, obviously, this has not been very successful. But they believe that in that way the world's conflicts would be settled by diplomacy rather than by armed conflict. Now remember, Russia helped set this up. (laughs) And I'm going to show you how here in just a moment. But there was one problem with the plan. Most of the nations that were sending ambassadors to the United Nations were dictatorships. And some of the wiser heads in in the U.S. Congress refused to send the to, to surrender the sovereignty of the United States of America to the United Nations. And consequently, they demanded that, hey, for us to be part of that, we want to have a veto power. We want to, the, the, and so they were given that. The veto power was given to the five victor nations of World War II. Now, it was the United States, Great Britain, France, the Soviet Union, which is now Russia, and then China. Those were the five victor nations of World War II. So after the United Nations was formed in 1945, everything didn't work out as planned, obviously, that we we have what we have today with Ukraine and Russia. But the Soviet Union, they received much of Europe as a result of that Yalta conference and as a result of Alger Hiss's actions, then there was a lot of tension. So for a while, it appeared as if Russia would end up ruling all of Europe and that communism would dominate Europe. And to keep this from happening, the United States of America led the Western powers into uh, this entity called NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. And NATO was a military alliance to counter the Warsaw Pact, or the, the, I should say, the communist bloc of Eastern Europe. And as a result, the United Nations was rendered really largely ineffective due to the Cold War. And we're seeing that again today. The United Nations today is being rendered pretty much ineffective. Why don't the United Nations go in and just tell uh, the Soviet Union, no, don't do this? Why didn't the Soviet Union come and get permission 
to invade Ukraine before going in. No, they didn't do that. The United Nations, helpless. Now, that the United Nations will not always stay that way. But remember, we're setting the stage for what's coming in the end time, these prophecies that have to be fulfilled. And Russia is very involved in these. Furthermore, the Soviet Union had moved. Now, remember, we're back 1945, beyond that, just after the World War. The Soviet Union moved immediately to win through peace what Hitler had really failed to gain by war. And very rapidly, Russia began to snatch up all of Europe. And Alger Hiss was influential in that. You say, well, hold on a minute. I thought he was working with Franklin D. Roosevelt. Well, he was. And I'm going to show you the problem with that in just a moment. So this forced Europe, uh, Russia going in to snatch up much of Europe. This forced the United States to assume a defensive posture. And then the Cold War began. Many, I lived through the Cold War. Many of us my age lived through the Cold War. Will they push the nuclear button tonight? Will we push one? The Cold War. Well, the world lived in fear of a nuclear holocaust, right? I mean, the, the ideolo- this ideological war continued from 1945 until 1989 when the Berlin Wall came down. And it was then that Soviet President Mikhail Gorbachev, he said, hey, we're going to deprive you of an enemy. And he unilaterally dissolved the Warsaw Pact that was opposing to NATO. And the Berlin Wall was allowed to crumble. The Iron Curtain was torn down, ending the Cold War. Well, immediately people began to talk about a new world order and breathing life back into the United Nations and looking to that. Remember, going to them, rather than going to conflict, we would go before the United Nations and offer up our our problems and they would solve them and vote. Here's what we should do. And then the nations would abide by that, right? It was created to be a world governing body. Well, since 1989, the United Nations has conducted five times as many peacekeeping missions as they did in the 42 years before the fall of the Berlin Wall. And UN activity is escalating to say nothing of the you know, different entities, the, the, the uh, tentacles of this world governing body, the uh, International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, and all the other international structures that are designed to push us into a one-world government. Now, one more thing, and I'm getting to Russia here. I'm just kind of setting the stage for all of this. One more thing that will help us understand why the United Nations is so powerful and why it will ultimately become the arm of the Antichrist. When the United Nations was formed, there was a a young diplomat Uh, really a diplomatic star in the United States who was Roosevelt's right-hand man. He carried the weight of the negotiations at Yalta because Roosevelt was a dying man at that point. He was very sick. And because he was so well thought of by both sides, by Stalin of Russia and Roosevelt, the United States, they appointed him to be the first acting Secretary General of the United Nations. And they also appointed him to oversee the drafting of the U.N. Constitution, which would be the U.N. Charter. However, now again, Russia was in on this. Stalin. However, 
but he's not the only one. Three years later, this young rising star, this diplomatic star, was convicted of perjury for lying about being a communist spy. And he was involved in this big mess where they were, they, it was, um, they were saying that, hey, the USSR has been infiltrating the, the government of the United States and this Alger Hiss, the one who was the architect of the UN Charter, he was the main guy. And he was eventually um, charged with, or convicted of perjury for lying about being a communist spy because the statute of limitations had run out and they couldn't get him for the communist spy part, but they got him for perjury. And that man was Alger Hiss. He was Franklin D. Roosevelt's right-hand man, but he was a communist spy. So what does that mean? Well, that means that Alger Hiss, a communist, designed the United Nations to be a world union of socialist republics, a one-world communist system. Why do you think Stalin was on board with this? You understand all the millions that Stalin killed. So the FBI states that on January 21, 1950, Alger Hiss was sentenced to five years in prison, ending an important case that helped further confirm the increasing penetration of the U.S. governments by the Soviets during the Cold War. So the Soviets were very instrumental in the creation of the United Nations in their image. Okay? Now remember... I'm talking to you about the Ukraine-Russian conflict today, but I'm also telling you that the stage is being set for Russia's involvement in end-time events and how all this is going to play out. And we'll get into those prophecies as we go throughout the program today because all of this plays a part in the current conflict. Okay? Now... Today's questions, these are some of the questions that I wanted to answer that have came up. I got people emailing me and texting me like you cannot imagine. Because it is a huge conflict. So the first question would be, will the current Russia-Ukraine conflict lead to the prophesied six-trumpet war or World War III? And my answer to that is, at this point, I do not think so. And, well, okay, so, <laughs> saved by the bell. Um, I'll answer you that, why I think that, when we get back from the break. And there's many reasons why. And we'll get off into some more prophecy about Russia and what's going on and how all this is setting the stage for that. But, uh, you know, it's something that we'll be following and I just give you my opinion after we get back from the break. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
when you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99. You can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. So again, our first question today, will the current Russia-Ukraine conflict lead to the prophesied Six Trumpet War or World War III? It's probably the most question, the big, the, 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 um, the most emails and, and text and things I'm getting today. Um, and so at this point, now again, anything can happen. But at this point, I don't believe scripturally and geo, uh, the geopolitical situation that this can be, this can, will lead to World War III. Let me tell you why. Number one. The Euphrates River region, mentioned in Bible prophecy. Revelation 9, verse 14 through 15. It says, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet. Now, the sixth trumpet is, will be World War III. You understand. But the Bible says, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed which were prepared for an hour a day, a month, and a year, for to slay the third part of men. So here we have the prophecy of the sixth trumpet war, or World War III. The Bible goes on to say that they will kill one, they will, they're loosed and they're, they will kill, they will influence humans to kill one-third of the world's population. Loosed from the, the, the great river Euphrates. There are four nations that house the uh, Euphrates River, Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran. From other prophecies in the Bible, in the book of Daniel, it appears that there is a, an angel bound to a nation. And so, uh, so we've got to, in, in go, going off of that precedence, then we would look at this and say, okay, these, nation, these angels are bound in the great river Euphrates, Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran. And so it's our understanding from Bible prophecy that this war will emanate somehow from that region. So that's, one, that's the first reason why I do not believe Ukraine and the Russia conflict will lead to a World War III. You know, bringing in all the major nuclear powers. 
the United States and Russia control 90% of the world's nuclear arsenal. And so, you know, at least the United States will be involved in a World War III. It's possible Russia will be. I can't prove that. But uh, it, it, it is likely that the United States will be involved, highly likely. And Russia could be because Russia is an ally of Iran and that situation's never going to go, it's not, at least for the foreseeable future, the Iran, Israel, United States situation is not going to go away. Russia and China are the two main allies of Iran on the planet. So, number one, the, the Euphrates River region uh, prophecy is one of the main reasons I do not believe the Ukraine-Russian situation will lead to a World War III. Number two, Ukraine is not a member of NATO. So the United States is not required to provide military assistance. I know that's what a lot of people are afraid of. Will we send United States troops in there and then the United States go to war with Russia? At this point, that is not on the table. CBS News reported that the, the um, President Joe Biden announced that the U.S. will simply hammer down Russia with sanctions on four of Russia's largest banks. Now, we've already, I think over the last several years, we've implemented, uh, we've um, uh, issued like a hundred sanctions or something like that on Russia. Well, that hadn't phased Russia at all. They do whatever they want, right? Well, now we're going, President Biden has said that we're going to lay heavy, impose heavy sanctions on four of Russia's largest banks. In addition to two financial institutions, the United States sanctioned earlier this week, meaning that every asset they have in America will be frozen. And that, uh, that was from President Biden. And so the U.S. and Western allies are also imposing new export controls, which President Biden said will block more than half of Russia's high-tech imports and strike a blow to Moscow's military and technological capabilities. So again, hasn't said anything about the United States going in. We're not bound to about sending in U.S. troops to fight on behalf of Ukraine. He's just said we're going to impose sanctions on Russia. Now, NATO also is going to convene a summit tomorrow to bring together the leaders of the 30 nations, the allied nations of NATO, to map out their next steps. President Biden um, is assuring us of that, and, and still, President Biden has emphasized that U.S. forces are not going to Europe to fight in Ukraine, but to defend and reassure NATO allies in the region. And he has said, we will only protect Ukrainian or, um, I'm sorry, NATO countries. He was very specific. He emphasized that. Only NATO. Ukraine is not a NATO member. So, President Biden said, let me say it again, our forces are not and will not be engaged in the conflict with Russia in Ukraine. Now, you and I both know that that could change tomorrow. Because how many times have you heard a politician say one thing and they do something else? Again, 
going back to my first point. At this point, I do not believe that this will lead to a World War III scenario. Uh, especially if we don't send troops in there, if we just sanction, 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 that's not going to lead to a World War III scenario. Crimea didn't lead to a World War III, did it? And many other conflicts have not. The Syrian Civil War, where we had Russia and the United States both fighting in Syria, that didn't lead to a World War III scenario. And that was actually close to the region where it actually straddled the Euphrates River for a time. And that, so I, I was leaning more towards that than this Russia-Ukrainian Russia, situation. Now, bipartisan lawmakers have also joined together Tuesday to call on President Biden to receive author, authorization from Congress before involving U.S. soldiers uh, in the Russian-Ukraine conflict. So there's a lot of things that would go against this leading to a full-on World War III scenario where you're bringing the big boys in from all over the world to fight. And then Yahoo reported, I wanted to share this with you. Again, what is NATO? Well, the North, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, it is a political and a military alliance of 30 countries. I think it started out with like 12, now it has 30. Uh, it was set up in 1949 to protect members against the Soviet Union encroachment. And so why does Putin see NATO as a threat? Well, since the Cold War ended, <clears throat> NATO has expanded eastwards by taking in 14 new countries, including the states of the, uh, some of the former Warsaw Pact, and the three Baltic nations that were once in the Soviet Union. I'll talk about the Baltic nations here in a little bit, about maybe being a potential three ribs in the mouth of the bear. We'll talk about that in just a moment when we get into some of the prophecy. But Russia sees that NATO is taking on more nations, that this is a threatening encroachment towards its borders, and continues to say that it was a betrayal of Western promises at the start of the 90s, and of course something NATO denies. But Ukraine is, again, is not a NATO member. We are not bound to protect Ukraine. Even though we don't like what's happening, we are not bound. Now, if, if Russia was to attack Germany, then the NATO members would be bound to go in. But U Ukraine is not a NATO member. But, of course, they have, they have a promise uh, dating back from um, 2008 that it would eventually get to join, potentially. But at this point, no. And since toppling a pro-Russian president in 2014, Ukraine has become closer politically to the West and staged joint military exercises with NATO and taken delivery of weapons. Well... Vladimir Putin is sitting there watching this and saying, whoa, 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 no, no, no. You're not going to have some kind of a NATO buildup right on my border. That's not going to happen. And so Kiev and the uh, Kiev, Ukraine and Washington, they saw these as legitimate moves to bolster Ukraine's defenses after Russia seized Crimea 
uh, the Crimea region in 2014 and providing backing to separatists in eastern Ukraine. So Vladimir Putin believes that Ukraine's growing ties with the alliance, uh, NATO and the West could make it a launch pad for NATO missiles targeted at Russia. And he said Russia needs to lay down red lines to prevent that. Well, of course, now what has he done? He went and invaded them. And in an address on Monday, Vladimir Putin said, in NATO documents, our country is officially and directly declared the main threat to North, the North Atlantic security. And Ukraine was, uh, will serve as a forward or uh, kind of like a springboard for that strike. But his demands that Ukraine drop its long-term goal of joining the Atlantic Military Alliance have been repeatedly rebuffed by Kiev and the NATO states. So, another big question. What happens if a NATO country is attacked? Because, you know, if, if Russia says, well, hey, we're just going to start moving and uh, we used to be in control of the Baltics and all these different regions, what happens if a Baltic or a, a NATO country is attacked? Well, then the collective defense clause of NATO's uh, founding treaty, Article 5 of the Washington Treaty, is a provision that means an attack on one member is considered an attack against all of them. And that's a fundamental part of NATO and why it says it is a defense alliance. It was, it was created to defend against Russia from taking over Europe. And they, they said, hey, if you attack one of us, we're all going to come in and protect. Now that would be, if that happened, okay, now you're talking about a, a whole other ballgame. Not Ukraine. Ukraine. Ukraine is not part of NATO. I want to stress that. So NATO, NATO says that military operations are carried out under Article 5 or United Nations mandate alone or in cooperation with other countries and international organizations. Again, because a lot of people are really wondering, oh, the United States is going to go in and we're, we're bound to go. No, Ukraine is not a member of NATO and the alliance is not treaty-bound to defend it. And President Joe Biden has said that he will not send, again, American or allied troops to fight Russia in Ukraine. Now, I was answering the question, will the current Russia-Ukraine conflict lead to the Sixth Trumpet War? The answer is no. In my opinion, at this point, no, it will not. And so um, I've got the next question I'm going to answer is, will it lead to the Battle of Armageddon? We'll get off into that, and then we'll get up into, I'll, I'll, I'll skim through the prophecies that Russia is mentioned in the Bible. But really, you can see Russia setting the stage for what's coming in the end time. We're watching it unfold right before our very eyes. We'll talk about it. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. So the second question I'm getting asked, will the current Russia-Ukraine conflict lead to the Battle of Armageddon? Well, the answer to that is a no. It's setting the stage for things to come, but this conflict will not lead to Armageddon for many reasons, the timing, all kinds of things. But the current conflict appears to pit Russia against Europe and the United States, or at least Ukraine, but it's part of Europe. But at the Battle of Armageddon, Russia and Europe are in complete alliance with each other. Now, it's very, very important. Revelation 13, 1 through 2, when you talk about the modern nations in the Bible federalizing in a one-world governing body, Revelation 13, 1 through 2 says, I stood upon the sand of the sea, this is John, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns. And upon his horns, symbolizing the European Union, ten crowns. Upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. So Germany and the, the European Union, Germany, his feet as the feet of the bear, Russia, they will be in alliance with each other in the end time. And his mouth is the mouth of the lion, Great Britain, and the dragon, Satan, give it its power uh, and seat and great authority. So they will be in alliance, not, not button heads with each other. They will all be in alliance working together in a one world governing body. The Battle of Armageddon will be fought at the end of the Great Tribulation and will be localized right there in Israel. So that's what leads me to believe that this Russia-Ukrainian situation certainly will not, be, will not lead to the Battle of Armageddon. That's at least seven years away. So Six Trumpet War is going to happen long before then. Now, okay, so Russia in Bible prophecy in Daniel 7, 5. Daniel said, I beheld another beast, a second like unto a bear. These are symbolizing modern nations. And with the time I have left, there's no way I'm going to be able to go through all of them. But the beasts that Daniel saw in Daniel 7 were beasts that symbolized nations and the leaders of their nations. So he said, I saw another beast, a second like unto a bear. And it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said, thus arise and devour much flesh. This is talking about the modern-day nation of Russia. And we have speculated for years that the ribs would be one of a few different scenarios. The nations of Daniel 7 uh, were the lion, Great Britain, the bear, Russia, the uh, eagles, wings, the United States, the leopard, Germany, and the beast with ten horns, which would be the reborn Holy Roman Empire or the current European Union. Now, the, the three ribs or the bones of contention in the mouth of the bear. Again, what are we talking about? We're talking about Russia and Bible prophecy. All of this stuff setting the stage for end time events that will culminate 
at the second coming of Jesus Christ. And then Russia is mentioned again at the end of the 1,000-year millennial reign. So Russia is mentioned all throughout the end time. Scenario one of the ribs in the mouth of the bear. Notice that the bear raised up itself on one side. Well, Russia has always moved in aggression against the nations on one side of her. Uh, For 50 years, after World War II, she controlled East Germany, uh, um, who else? Poland, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, Romania, Yugoslavia, Bulgaria, Albania. I mean, remember, I told you Alger Hiss was influential in these things. He was working with uh, FDR at, at Yalta. Remember when the carving up of Europe happened? Well, the bear is also shown having three ribs in the mouth of it. At this point... We can only speculate what the three ribs are. For years, we thought that the three ribs might represent um, uh, the countries of Manchuria, Mongolia, and Xinjiang. Three huge provinces which Russia took from China by means of 19th century treaties. And since China feels that these treaties are imposed upon her unjustly, then these three land areas have become bones of contention or ribs between Russia and China. You say, is that it? The three ribs in the mouth of the bear? I do not know that. I'm speculating. Scenario number two. The, the, or I should say speculation number two. The Baltic states of Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. And so I want to give you this you know, scenario to consider because when trying to figure out what the ribs are in the mouth of the bear or Russia, we've got to look at all the different scenarios. Now, you know, as as we get farther off in the end time, maybe we can narrow it down to a certain three and figure out what it is. Again, speculation at this point. But in 1914, the Literary Digest published an article titled The Russo- German war talk. And it stated this. It says, It seems the bone of contention between Russia and Germany is the possession of the Baltic provinces. In an article written all the way back in 1914, the Baltic territory and pan-Germanism, they stated that in case of a war with Russia, it is evident that the great aim and object of Germany in order to strengthen her position in the East, would be the conquest of the Baltic governments, or bones of contention, or ribs, between them and the bear. Now, speculation or scenario number three. From the Russo-German War of 2008 to the Russia's uh, 2014 invasion of and annexation of Crimea, To today's invasion of Ukraine, you're talking about another possible scenario. uh, Today, CNN stated this. Or I should say, uh, who was it? Uh, CNBC. They stated that Ukraine's government, however, has sought to align itself with Europe, aspiring to membership in both the EU and NATO. Now get this. They pivot... To the, the, this pivot to the West is a big bone of contention between Putin, who is eager to maintain Russia's sphere of influence, 
Russia has sought to legal has sought legal assurances that Ukraine would never be able to join NATO, which would bring the military alliances border to Russian territory. Again, bones of contention, uh, or you know, possibly a, a rib in the mouth of the bear. The Financial Express uh, published an article: Ukraine, the bone of contention between Washington and Moscow. Bones of contention, ribs? Question mark between Russia and neighboring nations. Bible says she raised up on one side. Remember, we're talking about Bible prophecy concerning the bear, Russia, and setting the stage for end time events. Also, Ezekiel 38 and 39, Russia. Ezekiel contains really one of the most remarkable prophecies in the Bible. Almost 2,600 years ago, Ezekiel foretold that at the end of the age, Russia would lead the alliance of nations against Israel. This is the Battle of Armageddon. At the time, Ezekiel prophesied the only people living in what is now Russia were, at that time, were primitive tribesmen. And as late as the mid, let's say, what was it, uh, 1500s, the only ones predicting Russia would ever be powerful enough to invade Israel were Bible-believing Protestants. Uh, Schofield, for example... Uh, said that th- that the primary reference is to the northern European powers headed by Russia and that all agree. Well, then when you come to the terms Gog, Magog, Ezekiel 38 and 33, the terms Gog and Magog, they're generally used in the Bible to identify evil forces opposed to God. The, the um, Greeks referred to Magog as the Scythians, who lived in the northern regions above the um, Caucasus Mountains. Uh, Josephus, the second century Roman historian, he wrote that the descendants of Noah, after they were dispersed abroad on account of their languages, and that they went out by colonies everywhere, and each colony took possession of that land unto which God had led them. So Magog founded that from him... um, they were named Magogites, Magogites, uh, but who are by the Greeks called Scythians. Today we understand that to be prophetically specific because Gog is the leader of the Russian uh, invasion of Israel and Magog, Tubal, and Meshech are actually modern-day Russia. Tubal and Meshech are the sons of Japheth who settled south of the Black Sea and it's generally understood that the name Moscow is derived from the tribal name Meshech. And so, the Russian bear leads the attacks. Again, what are we doing? We're setting the stage for end-time events that are coming. This is the Battle of Armageddon. Russia will lead the charge of this world-governing body at the Battle of Armageddon. So, Russia's aggressive moves now are setting the stage for what's coming throughout the end time. Russia will be the aggressor. Ezekiel describes a, uh, Ezekiel 38 describes a future attack on Israel by Gog and Magog, Russia, and the mainly Islamic countries of Persia, which would be um, Iran and portions of northern Iraq and Afghanistan, of Kush. These are listed in Ezekiel 38, um, which uh, uh, Ethiopia and Sudan... Put, 
Libya and possibly Tunisia, Algeria, Morocco, Gomer, Eastern Europe, they're all going to be allied, remember. Right now they're in conflict, but they'll be allied at the Battle of Armageddon. Um, Togomar, which is Turkey and uh, Armenia. And Turkey has been, you know, really until recently an ally of Israel. But today, Islam has become uh, an increasing influence there. And then in, in the fourth verse, Ezekiel 38, chapter, or Ezekiel 38, 4, it appears that God is not only going to allow Russia to build a great army, but He's also going, it also says that He will turn thee back and put hooks in her jaws and bring thee forth and all thine army. And it is as if God is going to put a bridle in the mouth of the Russian bear and bring Russia down to attack Israel. And it appears also that God may actually allow the the evil thought to come into the mind of the Russian ruler to destroy Israel. Now, that's Ezekiel 38. In Ezekiel 39, we understand that five-sixths of Russia will be destroyed. Now, these are prophecies in the Bible about the bear. We also know about, again, in Revelation 13... Uh, that they bear the feet of the bear on the world governing body. So Russia's mentioned all throughout. And then, so um, Russia will be involved in alliance with the European nations. And then the second coming happens, the 1,000-year millennial reign. And on the back end of the 1,000-year millennial reign, remember, Satan is bound that whole time. At the end of that, he's loosed. And the Bible says he goes out to deceive the nations of the earth one more time to bring them down to battle against Jerusalem and God Almighty. But the Bible actually says Gog and Magog at that point. It's in Revelation 20, but there's no battle because the Lord God is done with battle. And the Bible says that they are consumed with a fire from heaven. So you can see the aggressive nature of Russia right now setting the stage for what's coming in the end time. But I can tell you, none of it has come as a surprise to God. God knows everything that's going on. We just need to pray right now for the people of Ukraine. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com. 